here's here's what happens when somebody's going into a pulpit the lord spoke to zach and those words turned into light on the inside of him he's going to speak words to us and those words will turn back into light on the inside of us so just get ready to be lit up amen come on up Zach. I appreciate everybody that's came out to hear me speak. And I, I've, I have a great idea and in my head. I went over everything I was going to say. I went over this message and it went real perfect. It went real awesome all the way up to the end. And it's real easy to do things in your head. I can't help but cry. As I said before you, because I know how unperfect I am. I know how many mistakes I make. I know how bad I struggle to try to live right. I know how many times I fail. And yet God still gives me a podium to speak. I know how imperfect I am, and yet God says, I'm going to use you. The only thing that's ever kept me in my life isn't because I was able to quit sinning. Is it because I was able to stop doing all the bad things? But I ran to Jesus. And I didn't go to him because I really want to quit sinning, God. I was in hell. I was tormented. I was depressed. I was anxious. I didn't know what to do. But I heard in Philippians 4.13, it says, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so I started seeking. There's so many times we get a bad rep as the church because people feel like we are telling them, you got to quit sending the cup. I couldn't quit sending if I wanted to. I couldn't stop in my own strength. And that's why Jesus, he says, you come right as you are. And I'm proof you don't have to be perfect. A lot of my family's here today and they know I'm not perfect. I get asked to minister all over the world, and I just, every time, it just bewilders me that God's willing to use me to represent him. And I got nerves inside of me, and it's not because there's a crowd of people. I, can, I speak to a thousand kids a week during the school year, and I don't shut up. There's two of them in here, and they can tell you that. I keep talking the whole period. But as I'm standing before you, I'm going to do my best to represent Jesus Christ. Each week, they, we were in a series on uh, him and the hymns, and Pastor Brent, I think he's a part of worship, and so the, the hymn would go along with the message that he preaches. And I don't know these guys, and so we don't talk. I know him just, I've seen him once. Uh, we don't talk or speak, but Standing on the Promises was the hymn they chose. And the title of my message would be Walking into the Promises of God. I've, I've shared my testimony a lot in here about my dad. And I, I know I've stood up and I've shared it, but for some of you that are new and some of you that don't know, I'm going to share it again. There was a time when COVID hit, my dad was on life support. And I was the only one allowed in the hospital. And every day I got a negative report from the doctors. Every single day. They said he's not going to live. 
He's not going to make it. Nurses came in and they were so uh, like cruel hearted. They'd laugh. They said, I didn't expect to see you here today. Like he should have already been dead. But God gave me a word on October, October 7th and I repeated it every morning to him. If anybody asked me, this is what I told him. God told me that he's going to live and not die. There was a Christian doctor and he came in and he said, sometimes God takes the ones he wants sack. You got to know this. And I said, I do know that. But God gave me a word and he said that he's going to live and not die and have a full recovery. So I'm going to believe that. Standing on God's promises is when the whole world is telling you something negative when the whole world's telling you every doctor every philosopher every teacher's telling you something but it doesn't line up with God's word and so you choose to believe God's word over anything else and that's what I chose to believe and every morning I'd speak that to him I say hey dad I'd tell him the date I'd say this is your son I love you so much God said you're going to live and you're not going to die one of the days I told him, I said, just like Paul and Silas were in prison, they was praising and worshiping. And he said, the reason they went there, there was, a, there was a soldier there, there was a guard there. And it ended up him and his whole household got saved. I told my dad, I said, he was still on life support, couldn't hear me. And I said, we're only here because somebody in their whole household needs to be saved. They came in and as you guys, my dad's right here in the crowd. And it's because my family chose to stand on God's promises. I can't tell you I was strong through the whole thing. I would throw up every morning as I stepped off the porch to take my kids to school as I was going and I was going to the place and seeing my dad as close to death as you could be, the machines reading as high as they could. And it looked like he wasn't going to live. I would just get behind his bed. I'd raise my hands, I'd put on a worship song on my phone and I'd say, God, I thank you that you gave me your word. It doesn't matter what these doctors say. It doesn't matter what these machines say. I'm gonna stand on the promise that you gave me. And I'd walk around this bed and I would proclaim that every day. His cousin's wife's a nurse and she said, all Zach would do is walk around your bed and praise and worship and that's it. He didn't even sit. And I couldn't, all I could do is just stand on his promise. In the midst of everything telling me my dad wasn't going to live, God gave me a promise. And so I chose, I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to let every other thing be a liar, every machine, every doctor. That was extra, that had nothing to do really. I just uh, put that in there. I was unplanned. Mom says I do better if I don't write stuff down. And so... I got to listen to my mom, just like Jesus. <laughs> uh, and so I stand before you as somebody that got to experience God's promise, not as a perfect man, but as somebody that fails almost every day. I fail all the time. The reason why I'm able to stand isn't because I was able to get rid of all the sin in my life. It's because I made it a point to have a relationship with God. I wake up to spend time with him. I don't wake up, I, I, try, I try to live right, I try to do good things, I'll go to you, but I come up short a lot. I fail a lot. If you guys knew everything in my head, you wouldn't have me preach for you, I know that. I'm not a very good dude. I talk when I speak in school, we have a list of all these bad things you shouldn't do, and I tell the kids I've done everything on the list. So, so why would I be teaching you? You know, I know what it's like to take the wrong path. I know what it's like to do your own thing. I know what it's like to live your life your own ways and to go down a path of sin that leads to death. And I know what it's like when you create your own hell. 
to call on a savior and run towards him and him to pull you right out of it. So today I'm gonna, my goal is, is to point you into the direction of there's only one that can help you out of the hell you're in. There's only one that can help you out of the struggle that you're in. There's only one that can change your life and it's no pastor, it's no church, it's no organization, it's no self-help group, there's nothing. But Jesus, if you run to him, you don't gotta change nothing first, it says come right as you are. He's gonna start cleaning you up. See, I started with the end first. That was supposed to be at the end of the message when you guys are all teary-eyed because of this great word. I'm gonna get you ready. I wanna talk to you a little bit about God's chosen people that we get to be adopted into when we accept them as our savior. That's the Israelites. I had a whole bunch of scriptures so they didn't put them on the board because there's a bunch of them. <laughs> My sister, she said, what's, what's your message gonna be about? I said, there's about 10 chapters we're gonna read through verse by verse. And so don't, everybody get ready. We're gonna, you guys gotta stand for this reading too, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I was gonna to talk to you about the Israelites. For those of you that don't know, not everybody's read the Bible. Not everybody's read the whole Bible. There's some people that sit in church for 30 years and they've not read a scripture on their own. They've not seeked after him. And just a heads up, some people we think that we're Christians because we do what Christians do. That doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to a Bible study doesn't make you a Christian. You know, I, one of my favorite sayings I heard somebody say, they said, you can sit in a car for 30 years and that doesn't make you a car. Just like you can sit in church for 30 years and that's not gonna make you a Christian. Uh, so the Israelites, they were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. 30 good years and 400 years, they were slaves. They was beaten. They was made to work and to do harsh labor. They was even killed. They was ridiculed. They'd cry out to their God and I'm sure they was made fun of for that. They say, oh, your God can't help you as they're getting beat. Your God can't do anything as they're getting tormented. Your God can't help you for 400 years. It looks like that's how it was always gonna be. I couldn't imagine. There's things in my life where it looks like it's how it's always gonna be and I'm only 29 years old. So I couldn't imagine for 400 years being in that bondage. 400 years, your grandparents, your grandparents' grandparents in that bondage. It's how it's always gonna be. The slavery, the beating, you're crying out to God. It doesn't look like anything's gonna change until it does. And so God hears their cries and he sends a man, Moses. And I'm going a fast version of this. I'm sorry, we're not gonna go into brief detail. And God sends 10 plagues to try to get, not to try, but to get his people free from Pharaoh's grasp, to get his people free. So there's 10 plagues, uh, he's got the water turned into blood. He sent frogs, lice, flies, livestock, and pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the killing of the firstborn children. After the killing of the firstborn children, Pharaoh decides to let these people go. He says, all right, go ahead and get out of here. Go ahead and leave. Now the thing is, is I, I think about those 10 plagues, the reason why I, I brought them up because those are signs from God. Ain't nobody else able to turn water into blood. You know, to send the amount of frogs that it's talking about. We're not talking about the toads outside your house at night when you see three of them hopping around. An infestation. These 10 plagues were the hand of God moving and nobody else could have done it. And the Israelites got to see these 10 plagues work on their behalf. 
In Exodus chapter 12, most of this is gonna be in Exodus that we're, we're reading in today. If anybody wants to, if you wanna turn there, you can. You don't have to, but you're more than welcome to. I'm gonna speak and I, I got some scriptures. But in Exodus chapter 12, verse 33, and it says, and the Egyptians were urgent upon the people, upon the Israelites, that they might send them out in haste, for they said, we, can, we will all be dead men. The same Egyptians that were beating them, the same Egyptians that were making fun of them and their God for calling out to them and nothing changing in their life are now with haste saying, get out of here. Telling the, the leaders we're gonna be dead men if we keep these Israelites here. The thing that changed wasn't their heart wasn't, wasn't turned. They didn't feel bad for the beatings they were doing to these Israelites a month earlier. What had happened was these Egyptians recognized their God's real. The God they've been crying to is real. The God that they're, they're worshiping, he's real. Look at what he's doing. There's no other explanation. We're gonna be dead men for messing with God's people. I feel like that's a, a prophetic word for the season for those that are diligent, those that are serving, those that are going after him. There's gonna be a season I think that we're in, I believe that we're in, where our enemies are gonna know who our God is. Amen. Our enemies are gonna know the God that we serve. He's gonna show off in a way like never before. That is something he's put on my heart and I thought I would just share it with you all. And I'm excited because I'm starting to see that unfold in my life. People are recognizing, I see God moving in ways he's not moved before. I've seen him do things he's not done before. I see him touching hearts like he's not touched before. And so I'm excited for what he's doing. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood or against principalities or, or I mean against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. You know, I believe the enemy's trembling. I believe the enemy's knowing that his time's coming to an end. And so I'm excited because us that are followers, God's preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It's nice to go into the presence of your enemies and know they're already shaken, to know they're already shivering, that they're already afraid because they know who your God is. You know, the devil's gonna to try to convince you he's a liar. It says in John 8, he's the father of all lies. He's gonna to try to convince you your life ain't ever gonna change. You might as well quit crying out. Just like the Egyptians, you might as well quit crying out. Your life's always gonna be the same. This is how it's always was. It's how it's always gonna be. And that's what the devil's gonna to do to us is your life ain't ever gonna change. You might as well quit crying out to God. Quit trying to change. Quit trying to get closer to him because nothing's gonna happen. That's what the enemy's gonna tell you. But if you keep going after him, you keep pursuing him, it says those that don't grow weary and well-doing in due season, they're going to reap. Yes. There's a harvest for those that continue. There's a harvest for those that don't give up. Amen, amen. So after they get free, so the Pharaoh lets them go, some signs, some wonders happen. Their lives are completely different now. No longer are they slaves. They're free men and women and children and they're out on their own. They're going, but Pharaoh changes his mind. But before that, I jumped ahead of myself. In Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 through 22, I just got some of these miracles I wanna go over that God does, that there is no other explanation for. So Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, it says, and the Lord went before them by day and a pillar in a, of a cloud to lead them in the way and by night a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and to go by night. And verse, that's verse 21. I think it'd be real easy to follow God if I had a pillar 
of cloud leading me. Be real easy to go down the path he's called me to if I had a pillar of fire leading me. I don't think I would question it too much if a pillar of smoke or fire or cloud showed up in front of me and said, Zach, walk this way, follow after me. And I started following it. I think it'd be pretty easy to do that. that, That's just one of the awesome signs. But in Exodus, just a chapter later, in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, this is what it says. So Pharaoh changes his mind. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, so Pharaoh changes his mind about letting the Israelites go. He says, all right, I let go of all the servants. I made a mistake. Let's go get them. And 14, when when Pharaoh drew nigh to the children of Israel, lifted up their eyes, behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die? In the wilderness, wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? <sighs> Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than for that we should die in this wilderness. So these Israelites that God's leading by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, there is no doubt it's God that's leading them. Now there's doubt in their mind because they face a problem. Man, there's a struggle in my life. If God was leading us, I wouldn't be facing this problem. How many of us, we get like that, we go by God's word, but then when we face a storm, we question ourselves, I must be wrong. We question ourselves, man, I don't know if God's leading me. Be a little bit easier, I think, if I had a pillar in front of me, but I'm going off of his word. Sometimes it's a struggle, especially when we face trials. And when they face this trial, they cried unto Moses. They said, what are you doing? They cried unto the man. What are you doing? You lead us out here to die? We told you we didn't want to do this. That's what they're telling them. How many times when we face a struggle in our life do we cry to the pastor, why am I going through this? How many times do we go to a man of God instead of going to God himself? How many times do do we look to a person that has no power, that has no authority, that has no ability in their own instead of looking to the Savior? How many times are we looking for our answer from somebody at a pulpit instead of the one? (laughs) Sorry, I got distracted. Somebody lock those back doors. There's no more people. No, I'm just kidding. We're at capacity. How many times do we look to the person instead of the one who created that person? How much do we look to the one that's anointed instead of the one that gives the anointing? You know, he is no respecter of persons. I mean, he's not going to pour something out on me that he doesn't want to pour out on you. He's not going to pour something out on that guy that's really good that he doesn't want to pour out on you. So we're going to go down. That's what in Exodus, so they're, they're doubting God. They're doubting they're on the path. Even though they was led by fire and led by a cloud, now they're doubting. We're going to go down to Exodus chapter 14, verse 21. Okay, so they're caught in between a sea and Pharaoh's people. Now it's not only as things bad, now things are impossible. Now things, it's just, what are we gonna do? They see the Egyptians behind them, they see the sea before them. What could, have, what could possibly happen? 
That's why they're so fearful. That's why they're so afraid. But in verse 21, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided. So right before these Israelites face, they get to see God's hand move and part the sea, the wind move and part the sea. There is no explanation other than that God did this. God's people, they got to see that first hand. I think my life would be a lot easier if I got to see God do that. My life would be a lot, I would, I'd be impressed if he kept the ground dry when I jumped into the tub. I'd be impressed and they, they parted a whole sea right in front of their eyes. There is no explanation. They walked in on dry land. What a miracle. And Exodus, Exodus chapter 14, verse 26, we're just going to go down a little bit. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thy hand over the sea and the waters. So the Egyptians are still going after him. The Egyptians are going in to the sea after him. And it says, and Moses stretched out thy hand over the sea and the waters may come upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So the, the Israelites also got to see their, their enemy completely destroyed. Not one of them made it, the Bible says. So the things that held them down, the things that bound them, the things that caused them torment, the things that were uh, destroying their lives and hurting them and their children and their, all of them, they got to see that get completely wiped out right before their eyes. What a miracle to see with their own eyes. This wasn't something that was just told to them. This was something they got to experience. They've got to experience God move like never before, right in front of their face. So in verse 31, I won't read that one. We're, we're, we're past that. Exodus chapter 15, verse one, and it says, they sing a song. Then they sang Moses and the children in Israel this song unto the Lord and spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphed glorious. The horse and this rider and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And the song continues. I won't sing the whole song for you. I don't want to be a part of the worship team. And I know that would, what, what would be the next step after you guys heard this voice. But it's easy to praise God when everything's going well. It's easy to praise God after you receive the miracle, man, to receive a blessing. It's easy to praise God when things are going good. Man, is it easy. Easy to be happy with pastor when things are going the way you want them to go. Easy to be happy with the way the church is going, yeah, when things are moving the way you think they should move. It's easy. But in verse 24, same chapter. I'm sorry, I, I skipped ahead. Verse 24. Yeah, Exodus chapter 15, verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? They didn't cry out to God and say, what shall we drink? They cried unto a man with no power, unless God gave it to him. and said, what are we going to drink, Moses? What are we going to do, Moses? Not what are we going to do, God? What are we going to do, Moses? Now in verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree which he had and cast it into the waters and the waters were made sweet. So Moses grabbed the tree branch, threw it into this water that was undrinkable and boom, now it's drinkable. 
another miracle shown right in front of their face. Who else could do that but God? I can guarantee you if you go down the Wills Creek and you throw a tree branch in it, you ain't going to want to drink it. 100% fact, there isn't a man that's able to do that. If I go and throw a tree branch in something and the puddle's out there in the parking lot, I doubt anybody's going to get down and take a sip. Another sign just only God can do. I put in my notes, he made it sweet like Gatorade, because water I don't think is regular sweet, you know? <laughs> now in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, this is a real important part. And Moses said this, and, it, and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. I think a, a key part of that is if you won't, if you'll hearken, if you'll listen, he's saying, let's tell him, God wants you to listen to his voice. God wants you to pay attention to him. God wants you to have relationship with him. Listen. And that's what he tells the people. How many of us, we, we, we want the miracle. We want God to move in our life, but how many of us wake up to listen to his voice? How many of us wake up to pursue him? It says in Revelations 3.20 that he's standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he wants to sup with you. That means he wants to spend time with you. He wants to eat with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Every single day he's standing at the door of your heart. How many of us hearken and listen to that voice or we just wake up and we do what we want to do? We let our emotions lead us. Well, I feel like eating breakfast, so I'm going to eat. I feel like watching TV, so I'll watch TV while I eat. And then I'm going to go to work and then I'm going to come home. And our relationship with God doesn't start until 10 a.m. on Sunday. And it's over by 11 a.m. on Sunday. Except today, because I got a lot of notes. <laughs> God wants us as his people to listen to him, to pursue him. He doesn't whisper to just a couple of people and leave you out. He's no respecter of persons. I don't have a relationship with God because a pastor told me I could. I don't have a relationship with God or the office I have just because a pastor said you can do this. I have the relationship in the office is because God will put you in the body where he's placed you if you go after him. It says every one of us are meant to be a part of the body of Christ. That's what the word says in 1 Corinthians 12. Every one of you are meant to be a part of that body. And this is what I'll tell you. If I sprain my ankle, my whole body limps. Yeah. I get hit in the face and I can't see, my whole body suffers. Yes. If you choose, I'm not going to do what, I, what God's called me to do. I'm going to choose to sit back. I'm going to choose not to hearken. I'm going to choose not to listen. You're not just impacting yourself. You're not just hurting your own life. There's a body that God wants you and ordained you. He's called you to be a part of. Man, oh man. That's why I'm going off my nets a little bit. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> so we're back to the, back to the Exodus chapter two. So he, he does a miracle for him. Exodus chapter 16, I'm sorry. 
He's done this miracle. He's turned that water into sweet Gatorade. And they're drinking it. They're full. They're, they're happy. But just a little bit later, about five or six verses later in uh, chapter 16, verses two, and it says, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. They're not murmuring against God. They're murmuring against Moses and Aaron. How many of us in church, when things, God's not moving the way we think he should move, we murmur against the person at the pulpit, the pastor. We murmur against the leaders in the church. We don't wanna step up and lead, but we're gonna murmur against the ones that are leading. We don't wanna step up and do something, but you know what? I, I know how to complain real good. I know how to do that. I'm ordained to, to complain. I'm ordained to tell people what they're doing wrong. We would like you to preach. No, no. Ah. By the way, that's not a calling. For those that are new believers. <laughs> so they're murmuring and complaining. And the children said, of Israel said unto Moses and them, he says, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and we did eat bread to the full and we have brought us forth into the wilderness to kill us, uh, our whole assembly with hunger. So now the God that led them by a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud, the God that parted the sea, the God that turned the nasty water into Gatorade, the God that's done miracle after miracle after miracle. Now they're questioning, is God even leading us with you guys? Is God leading the, the, the people of God here? Is God leading the church? Is God even in charge here? Because we're facing some struggles. And if God was really leading us, I don't think we'd be going through battles like this. I don't think we'd be going through hardships like this. I don't think it would be this hard because we serve the God of the universe. We shouldn't be facing problems. And that's what they're doing. So now they're complaining. Yeah, murmuring. They murmur a lot. And how easy it is to forget the impossible things God's done in your life. How easy it is to forget the miracles that he's done in our lives and just to, to keep going and then to question him or to question those in charge. In Exodus chapter 16, we're in verse four now. It says, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. And I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so I just wanted to, to illustrate a, a miracle. Manna from heaven, he sends down to give to these complaining Israelites. He doesn't hold back his hand even though I've, I would have. And it took one time me doing something special and somebody messing it up. I'm like, okay, you obviously don't want what I have to offer. I'm gonna find me somebody new. But God isn't like that. He loves us so much. This is what the message I'm telling you today, whether you serve God for 50 years or you're just now coming to him, God wants you. He don't care how many times you made up, messed up, you made mistakes. He don't care how far off the beaten path you are. There's only one that can pick you up off that path and set you on the path he's called you to. Man, his mercies are new every single morning and it's still morning. I thought that was a good line. You guys were saying, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go back. So now they got manna from heaven. We're going to go to verse eight. It's only four verses later. And Moses said, 
Thus shall be the Lord, shall give you the, in the evening flesh to eat, and the morning bread to, to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Talk about himself, what are we? <laughs> your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. When God's leading us as a church, as a body of Christ, it's not, it's, 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 if he's leading us, there's going to be storms, there's going to be struggles, and when we complain and go against those that are in charge, the ones that God has appointed, because the Bible says he's going to put in place, you know, when we complain against them, you're complaining against God. You know, I, I, I added some stuff in here because, you know, sometimes it's hard to call people out. I'm not the, uh, the official pastor up here. I'm just a pastor that comes and helps. But when we complain against those that are leading, according to the Holy Spirit. When we complain, you're not complaining against them. You're complaining against the God that put them in this place. And so that is a warning shot for you from God. Because those that contend with his people contend with him. Whether you consider yourself a Christian or not, that doesn't matter. The thing is, you go against God's people, you know, He'll give you time to repent. Hopefully do it quick. <laughs> All right. So in Exodus chapter uh, 16, they complain again. Uh, the murmuring starts up because they want flesh to eat and God sends them flesh. He sends them the quail. Another miracle from heaven. So here's the thing is, so we think about God sending them some birds. We're not talking about like a 20 piece from KFC. There's over, there's 600,000 men. I don't know how many women and children. We're gonna say there's over a million, maybe 1.2 million people here. And God sends enough quail from heaven for everybody to eat to their full. And I know I've seen a quail. I can at least eat four of them. And so I, that's a lot of quail. Another miracle from heaven. In Exodus chapter 17, and just so if you guys haven't called him, what I'm doing is we're going through it. God's chosen people, how he's done miracles in their life. And yet they still find a way to murmur and to complain and to question the God that keeps proving himself over and over and over again. How many times does God have to prove himself to you? How many times does God have to show you a sign and a wonder? How many times does God have to do it before it clicks? So in Exodus chapter 17, verse one, and it says, all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journey according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. So God led them to this place. It says, they went after the commandment of the Lord. There's no water in the place. Wherefore the people, in verse two, did chide or rebuke or scold Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. They didn't go to God and say, God, we need water. They went to a man again that has no ability in his own and said, give us water. You can come up to me and scream at me as much as you want to give you something, but I have no authority. You come up and have me pray for you until I'm blue in the face, but unless God moves, I can't do anything. 
The point of my message, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just tell you real quick, if we don't quit born to men to get what only God can give us, we're never gonna be satisfied. And so they, they, and Moses, he says, why are you chiding with me? Why are you rebuking me? Take it up with God. And the people thirsted for water and the people murmured against Moses some more and said, is this thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? So now they're questioning God, is God leading us? We got these problems again. I know he's fulfilled and uh, caused all of our other problems to go away. And he came through in a mighty way and we got to see his hand move right before our face over and over and over again. But is God really leading us now? Because we're facing another struggle. We're facing another trial. I gotta tell you this, when you come to Jesus Christ, it doesn't get rid of all the problems. It doesn't get rid of all the struggles. All it does is promise you that you're gonna win. All it is is the promise is that I'm gonna face battle after battle after battle, but I'm gonna walk in victory after victory after victory. That's all it is when you come to Christ. It doesn't stop the battles. It just promises the victory. I, would, and I just want to encourage you, if you're battling with depression, anxiety, you're, you're battling your thoughts and your mind, there's only one that can provide the victory for that. There's only one that can help you get out of your own thoughts. The reason I came to Christ is because I was trapped in my own thoughts, not knowing how to get out not knowing what step to take, not knowing what move to make. And I went to God the best I knew how as a little boy, 11 years old, with a King James Version Bible that I understood three out of 10 verses or three out of 30 verses in. I, I gave myself a little more credit when I said three out of 10 because that was not the case, I can promise you that. And God met me right where I was at because I went to him to the best of my abilities. You don't have to be in seminary school to have a meeting with Jesus Christ. You don't have to uh, go and meet with the elders of the church to meet with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not downgrading anybody in the church or anything. What I'm telling you is Jesus is knocking at your heart right now. You go out to your car and have a meeting with him. It says anybody that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't mean you have to be at the pulpit. Doesn't mean you gotta be in the church. He's wanting you right now. The message I'm trying to uh, convey the best of my abilities today is one of the messages that God wants you and he wants to do the impossible in your life. Amen. He wants to do things that you can't do in your own strength in your life. The problem when I go off script is I forget where I'm at in my notes a little bit, maybe. So they, they want water, they start complaining. And Moses, in verse five, he goes before the Lord and uh, the Lord tells him, go before the people and take thy elders and Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river. Take thine hand and go, and behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it and that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders. And he called the name of that place Messiah. So Moses took a big stick and he hit a rock. I don't know if anybody's ever 
hit a rock with a stick. I, I used to do weird stuff like that when I was out in the woods playing around. I'd pick up walking sticks. I really liked walking sticks a lot and I would mess with them. I'm a little bit bigger than the average bear. And so they would bend and break when I would use them a lot. I had to get a real sturdy stick. I used to cut mine out of trees. And it's a true story. You could ask my mom. <laughs> Sold down a tree with a little handsaw. That's what I make my walking sticks out of. But I used to hit them up against stuff. And if the stick wasn't sturdy, it would just break when I hit it up against the rocks or the cement. Moses took a stick, hit it up against a rock, a solid rock, and water came gushing out of it right before the Israelites' eyes. And again, this isn't a puddle. There's over a million people here. And enough water came from a rock to give them all something to drink to where they didn't thirst anymore. There's one rock if you go to, you won't thirst anymore. You can come to a man with a stick, but you're gonna be thirsty still. You're gonna come to church and you can get a word and you can get a a little bit here, but you're gonna thirst again if this is the only place you're getting it. If you're only coming to a man that God's anointed, if you're only coming to a person, you're gonna thirst again. Here's the thing is God wants a relationship with you every single day. When you go to that rock, When you go to him, you go to his word, you go after him, you'll come to a place where you ain't thirsty no more. Where you ain't ain't dying no more. There's only one that's able to give life. So in the same chapter in Exodus, chapter 17, Amalek and their people, they came up against the Israelites to start a battle and to start fighting against these Israelite people. And the Israelites go against them in war. Moses says, Joshua, take your best men, go fight them. And Moses went up on a hill and he raised his hands up. And as long as his hands were in the air, the Israelites were winning the battle. But his hands got tired. They began to drop. And when his hands began to drop, the Israelites, they would be losing the battle. They'd be losing that. And so his brothers, Aaron and Hur, they came and sat him on a rock and they lifted up his arms. And the Israelites, they won that battle. Another miracle, a sign from God. All it takes is that man's arms being lifted up for us to win this battle. You know, it's hard to come up to a pulpit and to preach and to speak. A lot of people don't know what this office takes. It's hard to come up and to represent God every week and to put in the hours every week. And I just want to encourage you as you come with your complaints and your concerns and how the church needs to be done differently, that these people need lifted up. Those that are in office need lifted up because people get tired. As somebody that's been in office as a minister, a lot of people look at me for strength. There's a lot of times I've been weak in my life. Luckily, I got a relationship with God. And when nobody else was able to pick me up, he picked me up. His righteous right hand held me up. It's nice to have people. And so I'm just telling you, as the body of Christ, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be lifting up praying, helping. When we need workers in the church, not ignoring it, 
not ignoring the, the Sunday school service. Well, them are just little kids. God didn't call me to do that. And he says, don't send the little children away from me. You know, they're called to be ministered to. It's a lot easier if you raise them right when they're young. It says when they're old, they ain't gonna depart from it. And you have the ability to be a part of that. There's a lot of ministry that they'll train you up in. Everybody in here, you're called to be a part of the body of Christ. Nobody's called to come and sit in these comfy chairs every week and just to sit. Along with the relationships, the calling. That was just a little extra. We're almost to the end of Exodus, by the way, where I'm gonna be. Exodus 19. Verses three. Oh, I went too far. Exodus 19, verses three through six. And Moses went up unto the God, Lord, and called unto him on the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. And how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. This is what God tells Moses. And he's telling them, and verse five is the one that stuck out to me the most. It says, now, now therefore, if you will obey my voice, if we're not going after God in the daytime, if we're not going after him ourselves, you're not gonna hear God's voice to obey. If you wanna be a peculiar person, it's not just showing up to church. There's people that don't even believe in God that show up to church every Sunday. God wants a personal relationship with you. He wants to guide you on the path that he's called you to. But you gotta be listening for his voice. In Exodus 20 verses 18 uh, and 19, Moses goes up and God comes to him and speaks to him with a cloud around them and the people, they hear God's voice and they are so scared. They say, you talk to God. We don't wanna talk to him. We'll listen to you. We don't want to hear that again. You know, sometimes we do that. Pastor Brent, you talk to God. I don't want to. You just tell me what I need to do. You tell me what he says. Pastor Ted, you tell me what he says. I don't want to dive deep. You just relay the message to me on Wednesday nights. I don't want to do it myself. I'm not ready to dive into God's word. The thing is, God wants each one of us to go deep with him. We can read across the Bible, and I, I heard somebody uh, put it this way. It's like skipping stones across the river when God's called you to go deep into it. I don't know, it sounded good in my head when he said it to me. But you know, we're just on the surface when all you do is read. We're just on the surface. Well, I've read my five verses today, or I read my chapter today. That's surface level stuff there. Your life isn't gonna be dramatically impacted by that. I tell you the truth, because I did that for years. I know for a fact my life wasn't crazy until one day there was a verse that stuck out to me, Matthew 5, 16. It says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father won't forgive you of yours. And something in me decided I've got to start forgiving. 
because I had so much hate in my heart. What it takes to dive deep is when you start applying those words to your life. What it takes is when you go and you read something and it says, oh man, I'm supposed to live differently than what I'm doing right now. How I get over my, my anger, my hatred towards others is to forgive them. And so you start applying that to your life and your life will be transformed. And when we apply what we read, you know, and... Uh, as we go on, my, my goal was is to go through and I'm gonna tell you about all the miracles these Israelites got to see. And Numbers 11, they're complaining and murmuring again. And God sends fire down from heaven and these people, they cry out to Moses. They say, Moses, stop the fire. And instead of crying out to God. I think with the body of Christ, one of the things is we've gotten so used to crying out for a prayer warrior and we're not crying out to the one that gives anybody strength, the one that is the one that, that is the answer. We're crying out for help from somebody else that has a relationship because we don't dig deep enough to have one. We think that he's a respecter of persons. In reality, we just aren't seeking ourselves. Why does this person get to walk in so much favor when my life is so hard? Why does this person get to walk in so many blessings? Because you don't see the battles everybody goes through, the struggles everybody faces, and how far they had to dive with the Lord, how deep they've gotten in their struggles. The Bible says through many trials and tribulations we go through to enter, enter into the kingdom of heaven. I know I've went through a lot of battles, a lot of struggles, a lot of hard times, a lot of aches and a lot of pains and it's caused me to go after him because I didn't want help from a man because I knew man couldn't give me the answer I was needing. There's a breakthrough you want in your life and there's no man that can give it to you. There's a breakthrough that you're waiting for and there's no donation you make to a church that can give it to you. There's no pastor that can pray over your life and give it to you. In Numbers 13, so the, the Israelites, they've been in the wilderness for a while. They're headed towards the promised land that God promised them, flowing with milk and honey. All kinds of good stuff. Moses sent spies out into the land. 10 of them come back and they say, this land, it's, it's awesome. It's flowing with milk and honey. There's all kinds of food there. And Caleb, he says, yeah, let's go and take it. But then those 10 spies, they said, wait a second. There's giants in the land. We can't take it. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. We can't do it. And then they say, but God says we can have this land. These giants are bread for us. Those giants are things that we'll be able to defeat because God told us we could do it. But the Israelites, they didn't trust God. The Israelites that seen was led by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud didn't trust God. The Israelites that seen the sea parted didn't trust God. The Israelites that seen water, dirty water turned to Gatorade didn't trust God. The Israelites that seen water come from a rock didn't trust God. The Israelites that seen the quail come from heaven to feed over 1.2 million people didn't trust God. The, the Israelites that seen God work miracle after miracle after miracle didn't trust God. What I'm getting at isn't here is there's a lot of people that say, well, I'll believe in God when he does this. No, you won't. I'll believe in God when I get this miracle. No, you won't. There is nothing God can do that's going to cause you to believe in him. There's no miracle he can fulfill in your life that's going to cause you to believe in him. There's one way that's building a relationship with him. That's the thing is, he can perform miracles and it is signs and wonders and it can stir you up. But if you don't follow after him and go after him, 
You ain't gonna have that relationship. You ain't gonna trust him because guess what? After good times comes bad times. After harvest season, you gotta start working again for the next harvest. So these Israelites, they didn't trust God that they could do it. They was ready to stone Aaron. They was ready to stone Moses. They said, even Caleb and Joshua. They said, all right, let's appoint a leader. We're gonna go back to Egypt. They've been gone from Egypt for a little while now and they're ready to go back to where they was bound. They was ready to go back to where they were slaves, where they was mistreated, where they was tortured every day of their life, where they used to cry out to God. They're ready to go back there because they don't trust God. They don't have a relationship with God. The ones that seen all these miracles, you can sit in church and you can be a part of all the blessings. You can see God work wonders. You can see God do things that are unexplainable. And just because you're in the right place doesn't mean you're on the right path. Each one of us gotta work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's a personal thing. Every one of us. That means I can't do it for my sisters even though I love them. I can't do it for my mom or my aunt or my uncle. I can't do it for the people, my friends that I care about that I wish would come into salvation. I I can't do it for anybody else. Every one of us, we gotta do it ourselves. We gotta make a decision in our mind. Who am I gonna go after? Because I've went after the world for a long time. I've drank, done drugs. I was telling somebody about this stuff and he was like, you've done bad things like that? And I said, yeah. I have. I said, I've done a lot of bad things. They wouldn't have me in a pulpit if they knew all of them. But here I am, because you don't. <laughs> well, the reason I title my message walking into the promises of God because if you wanna walk into the promises, if you wanna be walking in promises, you have to have a relationship. You gotta go after him. He's got a calling on your life and he wants to have a relationship with you. And maybe you've been in church your whole life and you don't know how to have a relationship with God. Maybe you don't know how to come to him. In Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, it says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's for anybody in here. If you want God, you ain't gonna change nothing about your life. You ain't gonna quit sinning first before you come to him. So the verse I quoted earlier, Matthew eleven twenty, 20, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That verse translated in other language means all I didn't look them all up today to tell you the strongest concordance, but every single one of us, if you come to him, I know this because I was a dirty sinner. I was somebody that didn't, I didn't go to him because I wanted him. I went to him because I wanted hell to stop in my life. And I went to him all dirty. And over the years, he started cleaning me up. He started making things that I thought I wanted, things I didn't want anymore. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Anybody in here, I'll give you rest. We come to him. 
simple as find it and when you seek with him all your heart and your word. I just thought I'd give you a little bit of pointers for the beginning Christian, the beginning, this might be the first time you ever heard anything like this. I don't wanna see you be God's people that don't walk in the promises because if you don't have a relationship, you won't walk in the promises. In Matthew 4, 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That means every day how I eat to feed this physical body, that's how I should be feeding my spiritual body with the word. Get into that word every day. Go on after him eating, because if you don't eat physically, eventually you're gonna die. If you don't eat spiritually, eventually you're gonna die. And you might say, well, I don't understand the Bible. And it says in James 1, 5, if any of you lack wisdom, you ask God. And I can tell you from an 11 year old boy that didn't understand the Bible and I just kept praying and seeking, I eventually started understanding. And now I get asked to go over the world and tell people what I understand. Not because I'm some great person, but God used somebody that was unqualified and he revealed stuff to me. And I don't know why and all I could do is just cry because I don't know why. But other than the fact is that I went to him and I keep going to him. You know, I still have struggles in my life, but I know the answer every time. I just keep going to the Lord. You know, I, I, I fail at night sometimes. Sometimes I'm meaner than I should be to people. Sometimes I'm not the best represent, representation of Christ that I should be. And when I make a mistake, I know where to run to. So I'm not up here condemning anybody for a life of sin that you may have done or the way that you've went, done church for all your life. I'm telling you, I know where to run. And if you run to him every time, He's gonna do something mighty in your life. So as you're reading every day though, in Matthew 4, 4, it says in James 1, 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So you start doing that. That's how you dive deep, I believe. That's how you get deeper anyways. <laughs> you start doing what that word says. It takes a measure of faith to do that. And luckily it says that God has dealt every one of us a measure of faith to trust him to apply his word to our life. It's a choice there. You can choose whether you believe God or you can choose to keep doing the things that have caused death in your life. That's up to you. I know the things in my life that have only caused chaos, that have only caused death, but when things start to clean up is when I decide to trust God and his word. And the last advice I give you is in Matthew, I believe it's 529. It says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If something's in your life and it's causing you to not spend time with God, get rid of it. It's that simple. For me, I had to move my TV out of my house and put it at the teen center because that night, instead of reading my Bible, I like to flip on the TV and relax. Zach, you've had a long day. You're a great minister. That's what I tell myself. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you deserve to kick your feet up with them two dogs and relax. And then I had to get rid of it because relaxing became a regular thing in my life more than reading and spending time with God. You know, so I think at this time, you want me to turn it over to you? Or you? Right, at this time, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to the pastor, Pastor Brent, since he's here today. My message today, I hope it was encouraging to somebody that God wants you. You want this? Thank you, thank you. I didn't mean to distract you. I tell you, I've always been a blessed pastor. People don't understand. They say, well, 
we told them what we're doing today, and they're like, what? And, uh, but I've, I've never gone away and ever worried about what our church would get. Okay? Uh, and today is no different. Uh, I just got finished early and came over. My feet are still wet from being in the rain. Uh, we were preaching outside today. Um, listen, if you have never heard anything like this, maybe you've never really heard the gospel. See, it's called good news. And this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to move and bring you into the place. We've been uh, doing a series here on Sunday mornings called Finding Him in the Hymns. And my wife reached over and said, Joe, you all started out with what today? Standing on the promises or you put it in there? And, and they didn't know what Zach was preaching. So we just, they just can, this whole thing just continued right along. Um, but if you don't know him, and I want to do something for you. I've got some people that's coming to the stage right now. And they want to pray with you. They want to introduce you to the good, good news. They want to introduce you to Jesus. I don't know what you've been told about him. I, I told a group of people today. I told a group of people yesterday. I don't know what you've been told about him. But I can tell you that he's a good God. And he loves you. And he wants your life to receive all of those promises. But it's going to take trust. It's going to take you coming to him and saying, trust, yeah, but I've got stuff in my life. I've got things in my life that, 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 that's, that's maybe not right, maybe not good. And he still says, come. Yeah, but you don't know everything that I've done. And he still says, come. But you don't know who I've done it with. And he still says, come. But you don't know all, how so much bad stuff. Listen. You think you don't deserve to be up here. Some of you know my story. And he still says, come. So if you've never met Jesus like this, these guys want to pray with you. I'm sure Zach will be right here praying with you too. But I want to encourage you. We're not going to put this big draw on you. Say, we're not going to bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to put all this pressure on you and I'm not going to stand here for the next 15 minutes to, to, to where you feel uh, uncomfortable. I'm just telling you right now, God loves you. He wants you. And he's inviting you to come and know him. So we're getting ready to dismiss. And as we do, these guys are going to hang around up here. They're going to be here. So if you need prayer for sickness, if you need prayer for your finances, you need to know this Jesus that Zach's so well portrayed today. Come up and talk to one of these guys. They want to talk with you and spend some time with you. If you are here and you're visiting, fill out a visitor's card on your way out just so we can connect with you or scan the code. It'll be on the screen soon. Hey, I'm glad you guys were here. Thank you, son. Appreciate you. Uh, If you uh, need to understand God a little more, come up and talk to these guys, all right? Hey, we love you. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon.
And don't forget everything that's going on this week. All right? You covered it all right. Good deal. All right. Have a great week. Please, don't leave today that you don't come up and talk to one of these guys.